if you have been at this church for any amount of time, uh, you'll probably know that I'm a great lover of Christmas. Did you know that? I love Christmas. This is my favorite time of year. Um, I think it goes back to my childhood uh, in Australia in the 1970s. Uh, every December, my family would go to carols by candlelight. Is that something that, that happens here, carols by candlelight? You've been one time, Martha's been once. Well, carols by candlelight, um, in Australia, Christmas happens in the middle of summer. Still December 25, but that's summer for us. And so, um, carols by candlelight, it's usually outdoors. It'll be in a park or in a school playing field. And uh, families come and they bring picnic rugs and they sit down. It's an open-air concert. Um, and the best thing as a child, um, you get a candle. It was the 1970s, right? You got an actual candle with fire on it. They, they put a paper plate on it so that the candle wax didn't drip onto you. Um, but you sung along to all of the songs. And uh, even though my family didn't go to church, that's something we did every single year. We went to carols by candlelight. And that's where I learned all of the Christmas carols. And so the carols hold a special place in my heart. But it's also how I first heard about Jesus. I realize that now as an adult, that that's one of the ways that I learned the story about Jesus. And I think it's probably how God captured my heart when I was a tiny kid holding a candle in the dark and singing songs about this Jesus who I'd never really known. So all this December, I've decided to speak um, about Christmas carols um, and the lessons that they teach us about Jesus. We've called it Songs of Christmas. And we're going to look at one carol each week and we'll culminate on Christmas Eve which, with a carol that I think is probably my favorite carol ever. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to come on Christmas Eve. Well, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we take this time to reflect on Christmas and your Son, Jesus, please teach us through the Bible and through your Holy Spirit and help us to know the hope and joy of Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, December in the church calendar is known as Advent. Uh, Advent means arrival. Uh, the Advent season is all about waiting for the arrival of Jesus, the, the arrival of Christmas morning, but the arrival of the baby Jesus. So Advent is a season of expectations. Um, and I don't know about you, but in our household, uh, there is a lot of expectation when it comes to Christmas. Um, we have expectations about what our decorations will be like um, that was a family effort. We're really enjoying this tree. Uh, we have expectations about, about what our Christmas lunch will be like. I'm sure the kids have expectations about what presents. I see some laughs about the, the lunch. Um, I'm going to tell you a little thing. This, in Australia, like I said, Christmas is in the middle of December, uh, middle of summer. And so every year there's this debate, do you do hot Christmas lunch or cold Christmas lunch? Because sometimes it's beach weather. And so you, do you really want a whole baked turkey or a whole baked ham or a whole baked meal? Well, my side of the family says, yes. And my brothers and sisters say, no. My father says, let's do cold this year. And my mother says, let's do hot Christmas lunch. Um, there are tears in the kitchen at Christmas every year at our house. I don't know if it's the same at yours. The potatoes aren't ready. Um, let's get back to the kids and the presents. They have expectations too, don't they? Um, our kids... Um, have started to give us hints and nudges and suggestions and online gift lists of what they might like for Christmas. You might have expectations about what the day will mean for your family. You want everybody to get along. That's tough, isn't it? 
You might know that Christmas will mean unfulfilled expectations for you. It might be a season that fills you with dread because Christmas wasn't a happy time for you. Christmas is a season with lots of expectations put on it. An expectation is the context for our Christmas carol that we're looking at today. We just sung it, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And this carol that was written by Charles Wesley in 1744, uh, Charles Wesley and his brother John, uh, John Wesley, they were the founders of the Methodist re revival movement in England. Um, and these two brothers, along with another fav famous revivalist called George Whitfield, uh, they brought a new style of preaching to England, which was open-air preaching. And um, they preached to crowds of up to 10,000 people. Uh, here in America, we call that time the Great Awakening. Uh, in England and the rest, or in Britain anyway, they call it the Evangelical Revival. And the, the Wesley brothers, they were this great influence in that time. Uh, and these days, Charles Wesley, who wrote our hymn, he's best known for his hymn writing. Apparently, he wrote more than six and a half thousand hymns. He was prolific. Um, there's not too many of them that we sing still today, but we sing, And Can It Be? Um, that man, the male and the female part, can, can it be? Um, Hark the herald angels sing. And of course, our one today, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And our song starts like this. Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. Uh, come Thou Long Expected Jesus. It takes us back to centuries before Jesus' birth, this period of expectation for God's people. It, it was a period of waiting for a promised saviour who would set them free uh, from the oppression of foreign rule. Um, because for more than 700 years before Jesus was born, Israel had been occupied by empire after empire. Um, you might know the list. There was the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, um, then the uh, Persians, then the Greeks, then there was the Seleucids, who were a kind of Greek cousins, and then there was the Roman Empire. And so God's people, they'd been denied sovereignty over their own land, um, over their own promised land, the, the land that God had promised them. They'd been denied the sovereignty that they desired ever since their father Abraham had been promised that land. They'd been beaten down, they'd been oppressed, but there was one promise that kept them going, and that was the promise of this saviour, this king, this anointed one, the Christ or the Messiah, who would restore the royal throne of David, an anointed one. And God had made that promise to his people 700 years earlier, in the time of the prophet Isaiah, and then all through that period of darkness, God had promised that the darkness would end one day. And so come to the Isaiah reading with me on the back of your sheet. In verse 2 it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born and a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. It's that classic Christmas reading, isn't it? Uh, if you've been to church at Christmas, you will have heard that. It's all about the birth of a royal prince and the promise of a king. Uh, now, I know that Australians and Americans have a different relationship with the British um, royal family, but indulge me with a story for a minute. See, when Prince William got married to Kate Middleton, Back in 2011, almost immediately the question came, when are they going to have a baby? Because when are they going to produce an heir to the throne? And uh, Prince William, he's, I think he's second in line right now after the Queen and then Prince Charles and his William. But their son would be the next in line. And there's all of this anticipation and expectation 
and speculation every time, you know, Princess or the Duchess, Kate, every time she ate a hamburger and her tummy was even slightly bigger than, <laughs> is she pregnant? Is this it? Is she finally going to have the... It must have been pretty difficult for her, I imagine. And the same expectation was there for God's people, for the Jewish people in those centuries before the birth of Jesus, as they waited for this royal baby to be born, their future king. The only difference was there was no royal family for them to eagerly watch. Instead, they relied on words of prophecy to keep their expectations alive. They relied on God to be true to his promise. They were waiting for the darkness to end and the new light to dawn. Uh, there's a line in the hymn halfway down in verse 1. Um, it, calls, uh, sorry, it calls Jesus Israel's strength and consolation. Um, this promised king would console God's people. He would comfort them and he would heal their wound, uh, their wounds and their wounded nation. Uh, in uh, Luke's account of the book of Jesus, there's a man called Simeon who was very holy and devout. and It says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for this king who would console his people. That's where that strange phrase in the song comes from, the consolation. And so that's the historical context of the carol. God's people were waiting for a royal birth. And they're waiting with great expectation. They're waiting for a national savior. But the birth of Jesus, it's not just about a historical people waiting for a historical king. The point of the song and the point of the Christmas is that Jesus has ongoing relevance for every generation. Now, I said before that Christmas comes with lots of expectations. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about Christmas right now. Um, I realized yesterday that today is the 5th of December. That means 20 days from now, less than three weeks. It's Christmas Day, right? And every year on about the 22nd of December, sometimes the 23rd and occasionally the 24th, I realize I should have started my Christmas shopping earlier. <laughs> You'd think I'd learn by now. I've had a few years to practice but I haven't got it yet. Christmas can be stressful. Uh, there's the gifts, there's the food, there's travel arrangements if you're traveling or if you've got family coming into town, all the logistics. Uh, COVID has possibly added complications to your Christmas. And then there's the family stress. Uh, Christmas isn't always easy. Christmas isn't always easy with a family, is it? You know, especially if there are strained relationships in your family, you, you might have shared custody of kids or grandkids. You might be just trying to juggle to get to see everybody in the family. You might be struggling with ill health. You might be looking after somebody who has ill health. You might be feeling the loss of a loved one. You know, for those who are grieving, the holidays are often the most difficult time of year. You know, we all have expectations of a hallmark Christmas, but life doesn't work out like that, does it? Generally not. And that's the second big idea that I want to take from the song. And it's this, that the birth of Jesus was about fixing everything that's wrong with our world. To come back to the hymn with me, I know you've got to flick pages, but in the third line it says, Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set thy people free, from our fears and sins release us. There's an idea of release in Jesus Christ. See, Jesus didn't just come to set his people free from political oppression, from Roman oppression. He came to deal with a more fundamental human problem, which is the problem of sin. And the Bible talks about sin as the root cause and the root cause of everything that's broken about our world. I see right from the third chapter of the Bible when Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God and they, they ate the forbidden fruit. 
Well, humans have been characterized by the same rebellious spirit ever since then. And not the kind of fun rebel, not the fun rebellious spirit, more like the rebellious spirit that's self-destructive, causes destruction to relationships, causes destruction to ourselves. You know, we do things that hurt the ones we love. That's often why Christmas is difficult. They might do things to us that hurt us. We do things that hurt our own bodies. We do things that exploit others. And each of us participates in what's wrong with this world. We all contribute to the problem in small ways, some in large ways. And we can't stop ourselves from doing that. But you know what? Jesus can stop us from doing that. And that's where Jesus' birth is a light in the darkness and the dawn of a new day for us because Jesus wasn't just born to be a historical king. He was born to be the king of creation for all time. The son of God who rules forever with righteousness and justice. Have a look at Isaiah 9 verse 7 with me. It says, he will, re- he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and he'll establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, forever. See, with the birth of Jesus, God reveals the beginning of his plan to restore justice on earth, to reestablish righteousness. That is to make a new way for sinful people to approach the holy God. It's the beginning of our liberation, our deliverance from our deepest problem. And I love the way the, the song puts it in the second verse. It says, Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. Um, If the rebellious, sorry, if the spirit of sin is rebelling against God, then allowing Jesus to reign in us, well, that's the opposite, isn't it? That's the beginning of how we return to God, to let God reign in our hearts, to bring his kingdom in our hearts So instead of building our own kingdoms in the world and and, and choosing our own directions, instead we ask God to bring his grace into our lives, to bring his forgiveness into our lives, to bring hope into our lives. We, We ask Jesus to direct our lives and to rule in our hearts, to rule in all our hearts alone, as the song says. And here's the funny paradox or the great paradox of the Christian life. When we live according to God's rules we live according to God's rule in our life, it's actually how Jesus sets us free. And those of you who follow Jesus know this. Jesus actually sets us free to live life as it was intended to be. He sets us free from fear, the fear of what happens when we die, the fear of what happens if we make mistakes. He sets us free from the consequences of our sin. He he gives us the chance of a new start. He sets us free to live a new life now that anticipates the eternal life that we'll enjoy when his kingdom comes eternally see in the gospel in the gospel of jesus christ we learn how to restore broken relationships by extending mercy and grace by choosing love rather than holding grudges by doing what is good not just doing whatever we feel like the way of jesus brings healing and hope to a hurting world and that brings me to the final idea from the song which is that the birth of jesus is the hope that every human is looking for See, I suspect one of the reasons that I love Christmas so much as a child um, is because of the presents I I received. Um, My parents spoiled us at Christmas time. My brothers and sisters and I, I know we were spoiled. Uh, You maybe weren't. We were. And so there was always this great anticipation for what we might get at Christmas. 
Uh, and I love the surprises that my parents came up with. Here's the sad part of the story. As I got older, I appreciated the surprise gifts less. I don't know if that's true of your lifetime too. You know, as you get older, there's probably a particular gift that you want. Uh, as you get older, they generally get more expensive as well. And that same desire continues into adulthood. You know, I, I've always been drawn to shiny things. I like to buy things. If I bought that, it'd make me feel good, make me feel happy. Do you have that little voice inside your head sometimes? If you had one of those, your life would be better, wouldn't it? Now, you might not be into material things like me, but you'll have at least one deep longing. Everybody does. You'll, you'll have a prize that promises you fulfillment. There'll be something that if you had it, then you'd be satisfied. At least that's what you tell yourself, isn't it? If, I, if only I had that one thing. You know, maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a financial goal. Maybe it's a, a position of status or influence. Maybe it's something else. We all have that one thing that says, if you achieve this, if you own this, if you did this, then you would be truly happy. As you look ahead to Christmas this year, what will make you truly happy? What will make you truly happy? Um, around the time that Come Thou Long Expected Jesus was written, uh, philosopher Blaise Pascal famously said, there's a God-shaped vacuum in every human heart that cannot be filled by anything that is created. can only be filled by God the Creator. In other words, we all desire something in life, but only God can fill the void. And this song picks up on that idea at the end of the first verse. It says, Hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. You know, I'm always jealous of songwriters who can summarize deep truths into four or five words. I'm sure it takes them hundreds of hours, like it takes me to write a sermon. But these three lines, right, they capture some of the deepest truths that we could hear as humans. We, we spend our lives pinning our hopes on projects and, and people and plans and we go after our desires and we hope that they'll make us happy. We long for joy. What if you could find them? What if you could find the answer to all of those things in one place or in one person? Jesus is that one person for this lifetime and for all of eternity. Because Jesus' kingdom is not just about the here and now. It's not just about this lifetime. If it was, it'd be a fairly disappointing promise, I think, a little bit disappointing. You know, as Christians, we still find ourselves entangled in sin, myself included. We still live with death. We still live with the consequences of hurting those we love. We still live with the pain of loss. But Jesus' kingdom isn't just about the here and now. Listen to what Jesus said to Pilate, the Roman governor who questioned Jesus hours before he was killed. This is from John chapter 18. Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, Pilate said. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus' kingdom, it's, it's not principally of this world. It's not of this world. His kingdom rules in our hearts right now. But one day his kingdom will be re revealed in its fullness uh, when the new heavens and the new earth, when they're revealed physically. The creator will make all things new. He'll make all things perfect again. 
And sin will have no place in that new kingdom. And in that kingdom, every tear will be wiped away. Every injustice will be righted. There'll be no more crying or mourning or pain. Just the joy of being in Jesus' kingdom and your hopes and your desires fulfilled. And so that's the promise that was born on the first Christmas. The long-expected child and king. May his kingdom come in our lives today and forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promise of Christmas and the promise of Jesus, the promise of your kingdom that will rule and reign forever and ever, your kingdom that will bring us peace and hope and joy and fulfillment. Father, help us to draw near to Jesus this Christmas and find our fulfillment in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.